good morning. We're so glad you're here in the room and those watching online. If you're here in the room, could you just welcome everybody watching online? Can we just say hello and good morning to you? We're so glad you're with us. We just wanted you to not feel alone or left out today. We're really thrilled that you're tuning in. In fact, would you do us a favor and let us know? Just throw uh, in, in the chat whatever platform you're watching on. Would you put your name and maybe let us know how many people are watching with you? We'd love to be able to say hello specifically to you and and all of them. Uh, we are in uh, week number four or episode number four of this collection of sermons. And uh, our plan was to start a brand new collection next Sunday entitled Hope for Your Home. And we're going to be talking in that collection about uh, how God wants to bring hope into your home. Um, and uh, that was our plan. Uh, but as I was studying this week, the Lord just kind of brought to my attention that there's um, maybe one more message that we need to bring in this collection. And so next Sunday, I've got a bonus message just for you in this collection. And so I hope it's been a blessing to you. And I know uh, next week it'll, it'll speak to you. Uh, so far in this collection, we've, we've said this. We've said that when your best intentions go up in smoke, that that's when we need to encounter God's restorative mercy around the fire. And uh, then we said in episode two that, that when your passion for God goes up in smoke, that we need to encounter God's presence with a sacrifice of, of praise. And then last, last week I brought a message and, and, and we talked about that when your plans go up in smoke, when your best plans, all the things you had planned and organized and ready, when that goes up in smoke, that that's when we need to encounter God's divine direction. We need to learn to hear his voice so he can lead and guide us in, in, in all things. Today, the big idea that we're going to look at is simply this. When your hope goes up in smoke, you can encounter God's staying power in the fire. Not just through it, but right in the middle of it. When all hope seems like it's dissipating and disappearing, when, when your hope starts to go up in smoke. That there is a sustaining, strong, steadfast power of God that wants to be with you right in the middle of it. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Now, uh, as I was studying this, and uh, I knew that this was, there was a main text that we'd get to here in Daniel 3 in just a minute. And I knew kind of where uh, kind of the, the big rally end point would be of the message. I kind of had that planned out, something God kind of put in my heart a long while ago, and as I started to study out the scripture, uh, I started to find myself seeing things, and I started seeing it in other places in scripture, and, and as I started to encounter what God's word said, I found myself going, yeah, but God, okay, yeah, I know that's what you said, but this, and then the Lord would just kind of pause this week, and it would seem like he went silent, <laughs> and I'd be like, are you still there? And then I'd go back to what I the truth that I started to see him unfolding. And then he began to speak again. Today, as I share some several scriptures with you, I'm going to do my best to limit my own personal commentary on, uh, on today. Um, and instead, I'm going to really just allow God's word to speak some things into our hearts. Some of you are like, do I hear music in the background? Absolutely, you do today. It's not because I want you to fall asleep as you listen to the smooth sounds of your pastor's voice. No, it's because I, I, I want us to keep a posture 
uh, in our hearts before the Lord that, that when the temptation comes to say, yeah, but, that we would just leave our yeah, buts out of it today. Whether it's a, a small yeah, but or a really big yeah, but, let's just set it to the side today. And let's just listen to what God would say to, to our hearts. As we discover a hope that will sustain, strengthen, and that can be ours in the middle of the fires that we might experience in our life. Let's start in James chapter 1. And if you brought some scripture, I'm going to kind of read through lots of things. If you have something to take notes with, I highly recommend writing these references down. You can open up your mobile device and go to faithchurchks.org and uh, click on sermon notes, and you'll see these, these scriptures right there as well, and, and, and a place for you to take your own notes and email them to yourself. James chapter 1 says this, starting in verse 2, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, any kind of troubles, come your way, consider it an opportunity for self-pity. That's not what it says. Consider it an opportunity for self-indulgence. No, that's not what it says. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For when you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Not my endurance alone, not just the church globally, not just those that live in a foreign country, but your faith and your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Don't resist it. Don't demand it be different. Don't throw a fit. Don't storm the castle. Write a rebuttal and a rebuke. Let your faith and your endurance grow. Let it grow. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. No thing that you would need. Romans 15 verse 13 says this. I pray that God, the source of hope, that, that God, not, not the government, would be your source of hope. Not a, not a pension would be your source of hope. Not your perfect health would be your source of hope. But God, God, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Because you trust in yourself. No? Because you trust in your circumstances being good and favorable. No, no, no. That you would trust in the fact that your bank account is strong. Nope. <laughs> but that you would trust in him. Then. You will overflow with confidence 
with, with a confident hope, rather. So God, the source of hope, because you trust in that as your source and your resource, then you will overflow with a confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not because you conjured it up, not because you are arrogant enough, not because you uh, know how to per persuasively speak, not because you can defend it and argue it, but because you've placed your hope and your trust in him. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, these things will occur. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Somebody say hope and confidence. Zechariah 13 verse 9 says, I will bring that group through the fire. I will bring them through the fire and make them pure. I will refine them like silver and purify them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. In other words, when you are experiencing the fires of life and pressure is coming and you realize you're being refined and you're being purified, that you can call on the name of the Lord and he's going to respond. And what's he going to say? Oh, these are my people. These are my people. And they will say, the Lord, he is our God. He is our God. Not our own strength, not our own government structure, not our own abilities, not our own ways. It will be God who is our Lord. And these will be his people. 1 Peter chapter 3 through verse 7 says this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy it is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead come on we are a resurrection people we believe the resurrection happened it changes us it changes everything and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead wants to live inside every single person as who puts their faith in we are resurrection people. We're Sunday morning people. That God raised them from the dead. Now, we live with great expectation. Now, we live with, with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is, not, that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, through your faith, God is protecting you by his power. Come on. By your faith, God wants to protect you. Fire comes, things happen, circumstances shift in an unshakable way, but God wants to stay with you and protect you and be with you. That God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation. Which is ready to be revealed on the last days for all to see. So be truly glad. Here it is, that joy again. Ugh. 
notice, I think it's important to know there is a difference between happiness and joy. Joy is a work that God does in your heart. Happiness is an emotional response to your circumstances seeming favorable. Circumstances change, therefore your emotion towards those circumstances might change. But there is a joy that is found in your faith in the fruit of who, who the Spirit of God is on the inside of you that is unshakable despite what the circumstances look like on the outside. So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead. And even though you must endure many trials, though you must endure many trials for a little while, for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. It's more valuable than gold. So when your faith remains strong, come on, turn to your neighbor and flex on them just for a minute and be like, I got that strong faith. In the chat, go ahead, throw it in, that strong flex on them, that faith that flexes on them. Some of you are like, I don't see it, Pastor. It's fine. Just have some faith, would you? It's there, I promise. Even though it'll be more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it remains strong through many trials. It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. This is, church, the word of the Lord. Amen. Can we pray for a second? Lord, may the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you. Father, as we begin to dialogue for a few minutes today, I pray your word would come alive, that we would allow the truth to settle in our hearts, and you would help us for a minute to remove our yeah buts from our experiences or because of our previous teaching or or because of what we feel is our right would you help us just move our yeah but aside and just have ears to hear today God what you would be saying to us in Jesus name and all the saints said amen when your hope goes up in smoke encounter God's staying power in the fire Right there in the middle of it. Um, it was a Monday before we were going to begin this collection of messages. Now, and I, I, it was on that Monday evening, I was texting with uh, one of our, our church partners here. He, he leads a, he and his wife lead a connect group, and uh, they're, they're serving on a serve team, and uh, just dear, wonderful uh, people, and, and I love their faith and who they are. And we were texting back and forth. And uh, now you've got to know that typically I know where we're going sermon-wise. I've got a great kind of roadmap already laid out uh, pretty much. In fact, we already have some things laid out for the rest of this year and into the beginning of next year. I've kind of got a, a bit of a map that I feel like God is, is leading us on. And so I knew where we were getting ready to go that next Sunday. He had no idea where we were getting ready to go, that we were about to begin a collection of sermons called Up in Smoke. What do you do when life goes up in smoke? And we've really just said it in a lot of different ways, but essentially the answer is you encounter God around the fire. That's what you do. 
And we started this text back and forth, and he said, he said this, he says, I feel like God has been sending me some visions, short, short ones, of flames, but not flames of destruction. He said the first was a, a field of grass that burned, killing weeds and strong, healthy plants that grew from the soil, freshly nourished by the ash. The second was of the flame of a foundry, heating up a crucible filled with gold. The flames heated it so much that all the impurities were pushed out, leaving pure gold behind. The last was a flame of a forge. In the forge was a piece of steel. When the steel reached a yellow-orange color, it was taken out and struck with a hammer, molding and shaping the steel into its final figure. It was then quenched to add strength and durability. And he said this, I feel God was using these images to remind me that there will be tough times. And we can either be destroyed by them or see them as an opportunity to grow closer to God and allow God to use the heat to mold and purify us. In scripture, there are four things that the, the Bible talks about kind of in this, in this lane. And you may, may have heard these words like persecution, oppression, trials, suffering. These are all represented within, within uh, the, the, the covers of Scripture through, this, through the writings and the teachings of the Holy Spirit, through the men and women who penned them. It was, it was there, their experiences, their lives. I want to define these for us real quick so that we don't start to consider something as persecution that's not really persecution and to not call something suffering that maybe isn't really suffering but so that we walk with an awareness so that we can trust that God's word says what it says and if God said it he's going to come through on it and so this is what, what scripture says this is kind of from a, a bible dictionary if you will I, I did some research on this and, and it says persecution is simply this Scripture indicates that believers can expect to face hardship, ridicule, and oppression from individuals and state authorities on account of their faith. It encourages believers to remain faithful in the face of such persecution and to draw strength from the example of Christ himself. Oppression is this. The unfair or cruel treatment of individuals or nations which prevent them from having the same opportunities, freedom, and rights as others. Oppression leads to exploitation of the weak and vulnerable by the strong. List several scriptures uh, as it relates to the poor, the widow, the orphan, the slave, the foreigner, and I would include in today's context, the bullied. What's a trial? A trial is a process of testing or, in, or investigation that is spiritual and is a testing of faith or of power. Scripture makes references to both. There are trials and tests that come our way that when they come, they are there and designed to reveal the faith that we already have. Not to eliminate the faith, but to reveal it and strengthen it. When you take a test in school, 
It is a test based on information that you have already been given. It's to help bring to the surface what you already know. To deepen your revelation so that you can walk it out in your life. That's what happens in our life of faith too. It's not because you're good enough and you have the strength to endure it, friends. If there's a trial that's coming your way, it's because God has deposited the faith inside of you that you need to develop and grow strong and have a better understanding that it is Him in you at work, both to will and do of His good pleasure in your life. I'll take that amen. Thank you, Ms. Lita. Suffering is this. The experience of pain or distress, both physical and emotional. And scripture is thoroughly realistic about the place of suffering in the world and in the lives of believers. To become a Christian is not to escape suffering. But to be able to bear suffering, don't miss this, with dignity and hope. If it is true that the church in America has experienced suffering, which personally... I find it a little bit debatable, and I'll explain why in a minute. But if we are, if Christians are being targeted and singled out and we're experiencing suffering, while I don't believe we've risen to suffering of biblical proportions yet, last I checked, I haven't been threatened to thrown into a lion's den or into a coliseum or to be crucified. Wear a mask, maybe. But a piece of cloth isn't the same as facing a lion. So while we may not have risen to suffering of biblical proportions just yet, while I do believe that there is oppression that exists in our world, while I do believe that there are trials and testing that we are walking through, while I do believe that persecution is present in small ways and coming in greater ways, I'm not sure as a body of believers at large that we are responding with dignity or hope. Fear, most definitely. A fight in us, oh sure. But dignity and hope, joy, a strength of our faith. Friends, suffering has a way of squeezing out our hope, doesn't it? As a way of, of eating away at this eternal hope. Because we, in the middle of our suffering, we have a tendency to shift from an eternal hope to a temporary earthly hope. And what we have placed our hope in earthly and in this moment has a way of being eaten away or it feels like it's being eroded. And the things that we could count on for, 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 for our lives all of a sudden aren't the same anymore. And when our e earthly hope starts to be shaken... We need to remember that we're supposed to fix our eyes on an eternal hope. Because God, the source of all hope, hasn't changed. I told myself I wouldn't get worked up. That's why we have calm music playing. <laughs> Suffering has a way of squeezing out our hope. I think we have to be careful, though not to call our own silliness or stupidity suffering. I know the debt collectors are calling and, and it feels like you're being targeted and you can't get away from these debt collectors, but they weren't the ones that spent somebody else's money. 
We can't call a harvest on seeds of silliness suffering. I'm being persecuted for my faith, pastor, at work. These people, they just, they just don't want to hear anything about Jesus. No, they just don't think that you're very nice. You're being a jerk. You're not very like a bull. Like that, don't call that persecution. That was your choice to act and talk that way and to be late and lazy and, oh, I'm about to start meddling. I better back up. Like, like, like we don't get to call that suffering. When it's a result of our own choices and doings and, and how we are having dialogue and discourse in this world, no wonder nobody wants to hear about what we have to say. It's not that what we're saying is wrong, but maybe, just maybe, how we're saying it is missing some dignity and a little bit of hope and a lot of humility. I, I wonder if we are experiencing setbacks in our world and we're just like, oh, it's suffering. But we gripe and we complain. We don't pray about it. We just sit and worry about it. And we fill our minds with more things that are creating more fear in us rather than strengthening our faith through the word and what Jesus has promised and what he's done for us. Friends, I want to challenge you this week. For every one minute of the news that you consume, spend one minute in prayer. Watch what happens to your hope in that moment. Watch what happens to your faith versus the fear that maybe you feel. Suffering is coming. Persecution is part of walking in faith to God. But how we respond matters. It's not if it's coming, if we get to tell it not to come, if we get to, to pray a hedge of... Never mind, I'm not going there. It's not that we get to... Some of you really biblical people know exactly where I was about to go. It's that sometimes it's coming, and when it comes, how you respond matters. I have no idea what's going to happen November 4th or 14th, as according to how late it might actually be that we find out what happens in our nation. I don't know. But can I tell you something? My hope and the source of my hope isn't changed. My, the dignity and the hope that I'm going to walk in isn't going to change. I'm going to be sitting here every single Sunday until the Lord comes back. Or he makes a change. Right? Like the source of my hope, it's not changing. I'm not going to allow any component, capital S suffering or small s suffering, detour me from my source of hope. like how, how do we respond well we're going to talk a lot more next week in part two of this but i want to give us just a little bit of a glimpse contrasting it with maybe how we've been responding in our nation in our world maybe even in our own hearts internally i told you you're going to want to say yeah but a lot to the sermon but hold on it's going to get better in daniel chapter three you find that the entire nation of israel isn't living in the same way. In fact, there was a whole group that had been taken in exile. Over 4,000 people had been taken from, from, from the Holy Land into Babylon, and they were in captivity. And they were under a, a ruler named Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, the Bible tells a story of 
of three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Come on, can you say those with me? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I could go into a whole name study and talk about the the Babylonian way, but I'm not going to get into any of that right now. I just need you to know that these were their Babylonian names, that these were the names given to them by Nebuchadnezzar. And the king made an edict. He gathered all of the who's who in his land. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had found favor in the king's sight, and they were given prominent places of leadership in different regions and areas of, of Babylon. They had some authority. They were in some civic leadership. And, and the king called all of the Husus, all of the satraps, all of the astrologers, all of the, the wise people, all of the governors and the prefects and, and those in charge of large areas and small areas. He called them all together at kind of like a red carpet event. And he said this. He says, I have built this golden image. And when music plays, I want us all to bow down and worship this image. And there were people represented from all different lands, all different tribes, because Babylon had been on a quest. That they had been conquering many, many nations and gathering them and bringing them in as exiles into their land. And, and they were all there. And he made a decree that, that when the music plays, you've got to bow down and worship. And, 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 and what happens, it was this image made of gold. And friends, can I, can I be real honest? All of those other nations that were represented, there was only one group of people Whose, whose spiritual and, 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 and commitment was to never bow to any other God but one. This was the only, only, only one group. So you could say that this law, this edict, was an intentional trap to this one group of people. And the herald declared loudly, Daniel chapter 3, verse... Verse 4, then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So these three Hebrew boys who were standing there decided in their own selves, you know what, we're not going to bow. We're going to maintain our devotion to God. Then some of the rulers told on the king, they said uh, the music played, everybody bowed, but there were these three guys, they didn't bow, King. And so they, they, they were tattletales and went straight to the king and be like, these people right here, and they didn't do it. Right? They were tattletaling all day long. The king summoned the men and gave them another chance, saying, I'm sure that your, your intentions were good. Maybe you just didn't hear the music. Maybe that was our fault. We didn't have it EQ'd well enough. We're going to give you another chance. And they were summoned before the king, and verse 16 and 18 of Daniel 3 says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Friends, when we face suffering, when we, feel, when we feel like we're being persecuted or trials, let God be your defense. If you stand in the place of judgment, then you're kicking God out of the seat of judgment in that area. If you become the defense, then God can't be your defense because you've sovereignly occupied that role in your own life. They didn't come arguing. They didn't rally a petition. 
They didn't gather a public place of worship and hashtag let us sing our own way. They didn't do any of that. When they were brought before the king, you know what their response was? Oh, king, God is going to defend us. We won't bow. It it goes against everything of who we are. We, We refuse to bow. Oh, king. But it's okay. If you need to punish us for it, we get it. But our God will deliver us. He will defend us. Their hope wasn't in their human efforts. Their hope wasn't in their rally cry and their petitions. Their hope wasn't in anything other than in the Lord. He goes on to say, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. Friends, what I love here is that while they didn't bow, and they chose to stand in boldness. They weren't barking orders and demands, nor were they brash about it. Did they speak the truth? Absolutely. Did they do what they felt like was in their civic ability to do? Absolutely. Were they brash about it? Nope. They sure weren't. Friends, I have a concern. It's not so much that we're not standing up for truth in our country right now, that that as believers that we're not speaking up for, for the things that we believe are unjust. It's not that I, I don't believe that we're not speaking up and defending the things that we feel like we need to defend. It's not what we're saying that I'm concerned with. It's how we're saying it that I think is grieving. And it's causing damage. The word brash simply means this. Impertinent, impudent, tactless, hasty, rash, impetuous, energetic or highly spirited, especially in an irreverent way. They weren't peddling a different dogma or trying to change their other beliefs of the other people. They just refused to let go of their personal devotion. They didn't grandstand their decision. They just said, we're not letting go of our devotion to our God can't do it I'm thankful for the freedoms that we have in our land I really really am told the team I needed to find a shirt that says I'm proud to be an American because I realize some of the things that I say could seem contrary to such I realize that and while I love our land it's still not the same thing as God's kingdom And I believe that it's about bringing the kingdom of God into this place and living it out in his way, in his timing, with his heartbeat, rather than living it out in our own ways and our own demands. Just because there's an American liberty doesn't mean that it's the same as God's way. And I think we have to be willing to take an examination of our own hearts in this season and this time. Friends, doing the right thing in the wrong way or for the wrong reasons, will create damage to many relationships and your witness, and to my witness. You know what I love about these three Hebrew boys? They didn't relinquish their bow. And because they never relinquished their bow, and they did it with dignity and hope, you know what you find out? That because they didn't bow, eventually the king did bow. 
because they didn't bow and they weren't brash about it. They did it in God's way. They did it with dignity, hope, and strength of source of faith. It was in that moment that they were able to turn around. In fact, Daniel 3, verse 25, the, the, uh, or excuse me, Daniel 3, verse 26 says, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted out to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. See, they were thrown in, but God delivered them. They came out. And if you read through the scripture, it says uh, that, that, that oh, 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 he said something to the effect of, I, I, didn't, I didn't copy that, that scripture. But he said something to the effect of, 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 to the most high God. And then he created an edict that said nobody gets to say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because he is the most high holy God. There was a sense of understanding and bowing that the king himself did because these boys refused to bow and they did it with the right heart and the right spirit. Friends, many of you have experienced difficult seasons this year. It's been a difficult year. Had some bad news, back diagnosis, maybe some loss of income, maybe some relationships became fractured, maybe... Maybe you, you, you just faced a year that you didn't think you'd ever have to face. Many of you felt afraid and alone and hurt this year. You feel like you're suffering. There's been some, some suffering that you've been doing. It's not been easy to walk through some of the things that maybe you're walking through. Friends, I came to remind you today that even though the boys went into the fire, there was another one who joined them in the fire. Daniel 3, verse 25, the king says, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Many theologians believe that it was Jesus in the moment come down to be in the fire. Friends, I came to remind us today, that you have a hope that is unshakable and eternal when your hope is found in God. When God is the source of your hope, I want you to know that Jesus himself is the suffering servant who stands in the middle with you. He's standing in the middle with you and he wants to stand in the middle with me. When we do it his way, when we keep our hope and our our faith fixed in him, that there is a hope that becomes unshakable. Jesus was the suffering servant. Jesus experienced uh, beatings. He experienced people betraying him. He experienced people lying about him. He experienced people insulting him. And he said if it happened to him, as followers, we can expect it to happen to us. But take heart because he's still overcome. Friends, when you are walking through a difficulty, when you feel like you're suffering, I want you to remember that Jesus wants to be in the middle of the fire with you. He stands in the middle. In the gaps between extremes, Jesus is in the middle. In the gap between one thief that didn't believe and one thief who chose to believe, he was in the middle. On a cross. He's in the middle for you and in the middle for me. He suffered so that when we suffer, we can keep the faith and hope and assurance of our salvation eternal. So that we can keep an eternal hope 
He brings a sustaining, steadfast, and staying power that brings hope into our hearts. He's not offering. Jesus never once offered belligerent denials or proclamations. He just remains steadfast in his sonship. You know, each week since, I don't know, March, April, no, June. Every Sunday since June, we've been coming to the Lord's table at the end of our services, which we're going to do here in just a minute as well. This didn't used to be our weekly practice. It just wasn't a part of our, 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 our worship routines. Now, every month we would do it, and we had a special Sunday, the first Sunday of the month. We were like, the first Sunday is special. We believe in the principle of the first. And so one of the things that we did on the first Sunday was always come to the Lord's table as a community. But in June, it became quite clear to me that when everything around us, and even to this day, everything around us is shouting about divisions and distinctions, arguments and choosing an aisle with which to stand on, on a side up, when everything in our culture is trying to shout about what divides us and what isn't among us and the failures of other people, I felt like it was important that we came to one place and that place was the table of the Lord so that we would remind ourselves that we're not here to draw battle lines in our church. We're not here to draw battle lines in our community. We're here to stake our allegiance in one person and in one perspective. And that is an eternal perspective and the savior of our souls and his name is Jesus. We have a church that is eclectic in our viewpoints, eclectic in our ways of living, eclectic in even our hobbies and styles and likings. And I pray we only become more diverse as we continue to reach more people who have never heard the good news of Jesus yet. And have never allowed it to touch and impact their heart. But despite all of those things, there is one thing we have as a common union. And it's what Jesus did for us. It's his mercy that he has given us. And it's his spirit that lives within us. I felt it was important that we keep our minds in the importance of God's kingdoms and his ways, not like our world systems. This is what unites us together at the table. It's the cross. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that lives in us. It's the same power that resurrected Christ that is at work in you to purify you like gold and refine you like silver. It is the experiences of our lives, the suffering, the trials, the persecutions, the oppressions that where God is taking it as an opportunity to burn away the excess chaff burn away the, the wrong motives. And this is why we come to the Lord's table every week. It doesn't matter the chatter. It doesn't matter the dissonance outside these walls. It doesn't matter the things that we feel or experience by. What matters is that we have a common Savior, and his name is Jesus. And we, with all humility, come to the table week in and week out and say, Lord, would you continue to be the one in the middle of my heart, in the middle of my life, and renew the source of all hope today?
And that's what we'll do. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Each week we pause in this moment before we come to taking of the elements and we just simply say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to us? Jesus, you're speaking to us. You're, you're showing us the way forward. You're, you modeled what it looks like to suffer unjustly, to be attacked. You showed us what it looks like to do that with dignity, hope, and faith. Lord, as we come to this moment, may we be encouraged. May we be encouraged that when all of our hope seems like it's gone up in smoke, God, that you would sustain us by your power right in the middle of it. Lord, it doesn't mean that we always are delivered quickly from it. It just means that you're reassuring us in it. So, Lord, we welcome you here today. We fix our attention on your body that was broken for us and your blood that was poured out for us. This, God, today we do, remembering you. Let's remember his body together. And now let's remember his blood through the cup. Lord, you came to proclaim that your kingdom was now here. Lord, may we be a part of your kingdom. May we be citizens of heaven and look to live out what it means to be good citizens on this earth. Lord, I pray as we get ready for this upcoming election, Lord, that you would help us not be lazy citizens but to be proactive and active and playing our part. Lord, give us discernment as we're researching and seeking out how you would like us to cast our votes, not with an earthly mindset, Father, but with your eternal principles at heart and at play. Lord, may our worldview be shaped by your word rather than shaping your word into our worldview. Lord, may we walk with some humility, with dignity and hope. May we walk in the strength of your power and might in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that no matter what our weeks look like, we can come to this place of common union, centered on you, with your love being poured out in our lives. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said amen. Guys, we love you. If you're in the chat and you need some prayer, let us know. If you're in the room and you need some prayer, we've got a prayer team that will be available to my left, your right. We love you so much, and we'll see you next Sunday for a bonus episode of Up in Smoke. God bless everybody. You're dismissed.